Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. There's no time to be wasted. There's no time to be wasted. Awesome, man. Well, it is good to see you, dude. Always good to see you. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm very happy. Um, you know, last uh, last week when we, we wrapped the podcast, I was kind of curious as to how we were going to open up this conversation. But, you know, here we are. And right before we hit record, I think that everything we've talked about is going to be really crucial to the understanding of fermentation and the process that you're going through within the um, seven stages of, of alchemy. And this is like a really good topic that I really appreciate you wanting to stick to for this week, for these bi-weekly discussions of the seven stages of alchemy. But, you know, before I go any further, welcome to the Know Thyself podcast. That's a great intro right there. My man. So um, I'm Eduardo. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And, you know, again, another week, another um, discussion on these interpretations of what we're talking about regarding the seven stages of alchemy. And so I'm really, I'm really curious about this topic today with regards to not just the interpretation for many that I had to study up on and sort of like take you know, bits and pieces out of um, their interpretation of this topic, that topic being the dark night of the soul, which Daniel and I agreed that we should be talking about following fermentation. And, you know, when I I started reading about it, I was just like astonished about, okay, I've, I've read this before, but now that we've talked about fermentation, it's interesting how it's sort of took over in a way that it hasn't before or hadn't thought of before on how to like reinterpret all this information. So, so yeah, so obviously I'm going to ask some questions as I always do. And you're going to do a wonderful job at breaking this down uh, for the audience. But for those who don't know about the dark night of the soul, I'm going to let Daniel give a little background on the history, um, basically the origin of this um this these this poem this this way of of explaining um, a more spiritual and more um, deeper sense of the soul and the moment that it goes through when it falls into this dark abyss and what it's going to take to not just rise out of it but why it needs to happen so um, so yeah let's start with that yeah great introduction. Um... So right off the bat, you do a, uh, a good job of kind of acknowledging that this dark night of the soul, where we get that term, is from a poem that comes from the 16th century. But what we kind of see in this poem is, is really just the form, it's almost f- putting in the form an experience that humans have always gone through. Mm-hmm. So what St. John of the Cross is doing in this poem is... That's exactly it. He's just putting words and he's actually making a concept out of this human experience that's really confusing. Right. And that's a huge part of human consciousness. When we actually can put words to something, especially like internally that we go through, you give it a new approach to be able to be comprehended and understood by others. 
right? That's the the power of words, the power of terms. So when St. John writes this poem and he kind of, you know, kind of defines this experience, it's an evolution in consciousness because this is something that most of us internally struggle with and we think we're unique in it. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really great about this is because although this this part of of the spiritual growth and the spiritual progress is very lonely, it's really nice to have a piece of art like this and an interpretation of it because it snaps you right out of that, oh, this is not just happening to me. This is right. part of the human experience. Um, and, you know, it comes at a very unique time in our spiritual growth. And we're going to kind of talk about what makes this arise, you know, like what what brings on the dark night of the soul. But to St. John of the Cross, and very much similar to us, it's this overwhelming feeling that not only have God or the universe given up on you, but you are almost going to this this internal struggle of that you believe you're going to give up on God as well. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this lonely, cold experience. And his experience is a great case study because if he can transcend the the moment that he was in, and if he can find love out of the situation that he found himself in, anybody can. Right. So it's a really empowering story. So St. John of the Cross is going to be part of the Carmelite monks in Spain. And, you know, he's, he's um, doing research, you know, going through that whole monk life, the whole life of contemplation, very spiritual individual. And what he's actually going to do is he's going to get a teacher named um, Teresa of Avila, and she is going to really call for some reforms within within these 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 friars within these um, these Carmelite monks, and she's really going to call for kind of moving away from even the even though they're monks and they don't have much materialism, but even taking a further step back from that and a really kind of bare bones spiritual exploration that was very much based in prayer. So this was a really radical idea at the time. So he gets this teacher, she starts teaching him, he gets very, very dedicated to this. And then what's going to actually happen is this new reform movement is going to really start gaming steam. And there's going to be jealousy and competition kind of seen by other monks. So they're actually going to take him and throw him in a jail cell. Right. And I think this jail cell at one point used to be a bathroom, so he can't even stand up in it. He's He literally has to kind of be crunched down in a position. And he's there for years, I believe. I know it wasn't until his, like, his nine-month set that he got a new guard who actually gave him like a piece of paper and something to write with. But prior to that, he had nothing. And it was this really cold, desolate experience where he really goes through this contemplation that he feels that not only God gave up on him, but he also, and this is his internal struggle that is the biggest fight of the of the experience, he's starting to feel like he's about to give up on God. Mm-hmm. And he has this whole, why me? You know, why are we here? Why do good people suffer? And again, this is, this is contemplations that we all go through, especially in dark moments. And so what he's going to do through this dark night of the soul is not only articulate this experience, but give us a roadmap of how you get out of this experience. And that's going to be through almost that process of fermentation and what kind of comes from that. And really, and we'll go into more detail, but more of creating that internal light within. So he's actually going to, again, his poetry, he 
really pushes himself to write through this dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. He constructs this poem and he actually escapes one evening. Yeah. And then once he escapes, which is a still, it's an amazing story in itself. He escapes, he goes and he starts um, giving the poem to other nuns and other female monks um, at the new monastery that he finds himself at. And they're blown away by the poem. So they request for him to actually write a reflection on it. And he does, he writes a reflection for the first two stanzas. Mm -hmm. We actually never got the, he never completes the third, which yeah. is really kind of sad. Um, but he goes into much detail about this. And what we're going to see here is kind of the the traces of almost esoteric Christianity making itself present in that very dogmatic Catholicism model that was still getting formed at that time and still consolidating. It's powerful, but very powerful. Right. So we have this feminine energy kind of coming through. We have this esoteric energy of you know, being in direct communication with God. And again, he's not going to say anything. The stuff he was saying was very controversial at the time, but it's nothing that's really separate from the stuff that we've studied mm -hmm. and the stuff we look at when we're kind of going through this. But he does a great job as well as separating the dark night of the soul from depression, which I think is a really important case study for us to all look at, because I think we just kind of throw our ourselves into that depression mindset and that depression category where really he's going to argue that it's not a depression that you're going through when you're going through this dark night of the soul it's something completely different so just a really really fascinating in individual and the last thing i want to say about the carmelites and this is something that we should kind of pay attention to when we're trying to find the esoteric and the occult is this is one of the one of the um categories of the monks that was actually very dedicated to the Virgin Mary. Hmm. And we're going to start to see that thread, and we kind of call that the silver thread. And that's really the essence of this feminine knowledge. And the feminine knowledge, the esoteric, if you were going to categorize it as one of those genders in the law of genders, it very much is the feminine information. Right. Like the tarot deck is very much, you know, it's like the feminine communication. External is more masculine, in internal is more feminine. So, this esoteric occult information that you come through through internal realizations is feminine knowledge. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see why they stand apart from other groups of Catholicism at this time, why they have this deep connection with this universal life force. It's because they actually are celebrating the female, just like the troubadours are going to do with like Dante Inferno. This is what the entire Renaissance is about. The entire Renaissance is just about the rediscovery of the sacred feminine. And if you go back all the way to history, like all the way back to the first cave drawings, medicine women were some of the first things that they they actually put on the walls. And if you start following female bloodlines, if you start following the female mysteries with like the Rosicrucians, even the Freemasons, you're going to just find the feminine. Mm -hmm. So wherever you find the feminine in spirituality, there's usually a deeper internal realization that will come with that. Correct. And Catholicism very much kind of set itself up as a masculine mm -hmm. side of the brain. That's why their cross isn't an ankh. It's two sticks. Right. It's two phalluses. There is no female energy. It's a phallus on top of a phallus. Right. And then you think about that religion and it's stick versus stick and they loved using their sticks on each other. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's just a very cool – it's a very um, 
interesting thing to be on the lookout and kind of to be investigating as as everybody kind of continues this esoteric study. Really follow the path of the female because she's if she's not there, she's hiding. Right. She's usually hiding at plant site. And we'll kind of go into that because we're going to get really into, you know, even what they used to use for sacrifice. And the whole aspect of the feminine is just, a, it's a fascinating story. And I know we're going to do like a whole program on that. And I'm excited, but this is why this individual in this time period of such restricted thinking is going to be able to break out of that box and write some very powerful spiritual information that is just as relevant today as it was in 1528 or 38 when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, just a fascinating thing. So that's a little background um, on himself and kind of the organization that he was in. But let's let's kind of just jump into this dark night of the soul. For sure. Um, no, well said. I really like the history and the understanding. One of the things I told Daniel before he got here, and he kind of already said it, um, but I will say this again, is that reading this and having an understanding of it from that time and that standpoint is, is, is fascinating if you can put yourself in the shoes of this individual or put yourself in that place because of how how delicate he had to be in a way to write this information, put it out there, not give up on a moment in his life where he most likely... like. In various religions, you'll find this, whether it's like Muhammad walking through the desert or it's like, you know, even Jesus Christ being crucified. And, you know, he says, you know, why have you forsaken me? Everyone has this dark night, um, Prometheus. Um, and so for him to to be this individual who's thrown into this moment and have the courage to sort of, you know, align himself with that feminine, that sacred feminine you're talking about, and actually be able to put it onto paper in order to like assist in a very masculine dominant religion like Catholicism is just like I just really blew me away when I was just like, oh my God, right. this story is fascinating to this individual. Um, especially like in that location of Spain and, and everything else that was probably going on in that century. But that's amazing what you're saying about the Renaissance period is is absolutely true. It's just reconnecting to that sacred feminine. But um Right after we were talking about the origin and the history, I, I really like that you brought up something uh, before we recorded, which was, you know, what people might take from Dark Night of the Soul really up front, which is that period of depression you're talking about or depression in itself as a definition. And that's something that we all have to sort of face in our lifetime and sort of investigate a little further as to what it is that is making us either emotionally detach from um, what maybe everyone else around you seems to be enjoying and start categorizing it as something too quick, which in this case might be like the definition for depression. And just like, you know, um, Juan de la Cruz or John of the Cross had to go through um, this betrayal. He didn't, he didn't, you know, lose his faith. And, and that's one of the most important things that you have to understand is that, you know, um, God will appear more to the man who can withstand this, this period that, which may make you feel there is no connection to source because only then that man will want to connect with source even more. And that's an important thing that happens here that I think it's forgotten with depression. I think with depression, it's like, this is this is what we're pinging you as, this is what you are, and this is where you are helpless and therefore you need help. And there's just really no way to kind of like let that individual come out of 
a period that maybe only be for a certain amount of time. Because where the duality lies within Dark Knight of the Soul that I like is that, yeah, feeling deserted is is very, very much a dark, you know, period in anyone's life when you feel lonely. But it's just, as we talked about in fermentation, it's the start of the new self and the old self has now, you know, basically, um, you know, left, you know, the, that part of the ego, that personality that is created in the very beginning, uh, of our, of our walk through earth has to die. And once that personality dies, there's something that's coming after, you know, just because you're longing to be in awakened doesn't mean that there's now not a dark period coming right after the awakening. But I think people don't realize that, no, this is unfortunately what's going to happen. And again, we've talked about this with the death of a family member or of a loved one or a very traumatic experience that does make you question everything. So, um, yeah, let's go into that with depression. And I really want to hear what, you, what your thoughts on, on, are on that and how to separate the two. Because like from all the information that I've gathered and everything I read about it, you know, you have to have this sort of like duality with with understanding that there's a positivity as there's a negativity happening at the same time. It's not like, oh, it's all negative, then it's going to get positive. It's happening at the same time, which John the, of the Cross, I almost said John de la Cruz, um, he, he was able to kind of like pick up on, you know, while he was in a very bad place where he's just like, no, like what will come from this, you know, um, will be exactly why I was meant to be here in the first place. So like the positivity that came after for centuries after, you know, from his like terrible, terrible time spent in that cell or that small space, um, you know, proves that. So right. anyways. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what we're kind of looking at because the dark night of the soul does get mistaken for depression. And mm. depression is really going to be that, you know, biological chemical imbalance, those unhealthy thought, unhealthy thought patterns and things like that. Mm -hmm. And depression really is what we were kind of, that was the the demon we were kind of fighting in the first two steps of the spiritual process. Those mm. are the thought problems that actually create depression. So what we're having with this dark night of the soul is not going to be a result that can even be solved by just mindfulness or going to therapy because this this dark this dark night of the soul is kind of really bringing on these deep seated changes that are going to happen internally as a spiritual right. transformation, right? So um, it's going to be untouchable by most of the methods available for depression, and that's also what makes this such a difficult time because we don't recognize it. So if you did struggle with depression, and through maybe creating thought patterns, rewriting your thought patterns, going through emotional work helped relieve those symptoms. What we see here is that antidote that was successful in the past is not as successful now in the future mm. because we're in a different situation. So we, we try to approach it the same, but it's not really the same problem because you're right. This is more almost of a, a complete death of the self to be reborn to something greater. So this is kind of the, that allegory of the seed dying to become the tree. Right. And that's the kind of the process that we're going to be, um, kind of going in here. So this dark side of the soul is really, um, it's almost the shadow side of the awakening process. And so in order to be reborn, we must die. And that's going to be really the main theme that kind of, 
that comes from this dialogue, that comes from this conversation tonight. Um, but it's really the conceptual framework that you have created as this human being completely collapses. And this has to collapse because this framework that you created was before you had the lesser stone. Right. So now you have to purify almost your past manifestation. You have to you have to purify you as a being completely. Yeah. And that's this process. That's what this process is really entailing. So in the first four steps, you really kind of fix everything you possibly could. Okay. So what we're going to almost do here is now we're going to almost purify the drives behind consciousness, the drive of significance, the, the drive for survival, the drive for nourishment, the desire, the desire, um, the drive for um, nurturing. Right. You know, like bringing something up. Um, and that's what we're kind of, what we're kind of running into is we're kind of dealing with almost these more causal factors of what creates our makeup. So in this aspect, we're going through this process of really stepping into the spiritual cocoon. Right. Right. And so those first four steps, we've perfected the caterpillar. But the problem is, is we're not a caterpillar, we're a butterfly. Right. So what this dark night of the soul is, is you actually going into the cocoon as the caterpillar and feeling it, feeling the transformation, actually experiencing this experience and not fighting it, not masking it. Because again, we've tried to mask it with so many other things. We've tried to, you know, whether it be drugs, even if it's just keeping yourself busy, we, we hide this kind of, this dark night of the soul wherever we can from ourselves because it's heavy. It's dark, right? So we don't want to, we don't, we're not really huge on just bringing it into our lives, but it's a necessary process for the true spiritual transformation to happen. For sure. And so in those first four steps, we're really, you know, learning so much information. And, and this is almost like where you get tested if you actually really believe, and this is, if this is you actually really do want to align yourself with something like truth. Right. Right. So it's very much this thing. And one of the things too, that is important to kind of realize a dark night of the soul can happen two different ways. It can happen in your, your traditional, you know, losing a family member, losing an important relationship, you know, terminal disease. It can happen in those kind of circumstances, but it also can just happen from the process of your spiritual development. I was just going to say that, but yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear that second one because yes. that's, that's a very fascinating topic when the soul decides to do this for you. The soul is basically saying the ego and the personality that is the vessel right now, this body needs to go through this process. And sometimes it seems almost self-inflicted. So people are kind of like, what is going on with this person? They're kind of just like burning all their bridges. They're destroying everything they've ever known. But I wonder, is that really the soul taking over saying like, we need to like basically do a reboot on you and you're kind of doing it. We're going to do this with or without you kind of thing. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is kind of those things like, you know, You've you've gone this far. So when we're going, when we're talking about this path, where right. this is going to be an onset of really completing the first four steps of alchemy, yeah, the universe is is going to test you now. Um, now, from the external, from the factors, it's kind of hard to tell 
if somebody's doing something positive or if they're doing something negative, you know, because somebody can take this the wrong way and burn all the good bridges that they have. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So well, just because so. somebody's burning, like we always hear that term, like burn the bridges. It's like, well, no, you don't want to, you don't want to be on an Island by yourself either. Right. You know, unless you have to, unless everybody around you is just like the worst. Um, but for the most part, what we're dealing with here is an internally internal manifested dark night of the soul. So it doesn't actually have to be a traumatic event that happens right, to you. Right. It could just be, you experience oneness and for the first time you feel one with everything and it's this euphoria that comes with getting the lesser stone and then in the next moment the light goes away and at first you're just like maybe i'm just having an off day maybe it's just, it's something's just not right um but the days start coming by and and you don't have that energy anymore you don't have that perspective you don't have that excitement about the future you don't have that excitement about life you're you're mocking the present moment rather than relishing in the present moment you're kind of rolling your eyes and all these negative thought patterns are coming back and you're starting to you know ask that question of like why me or like right. why am i left all alone and so we go through this process but what this is is this is just the test this is what this is the test. Like the universe is really just kind of asking you the question right now because the universe has called you to step into this cocoon, right? So whether we did this by ourselves or external events, but most of the time, and he even speaks about this. Saint John the ba um, Saint John of the Cross speaks about this. He he talks about how to do this. You can't be a beginner. Like when he's what he what, who he's addressing in the dark night of the soul isn't somebody who's just now approaching right. spirituality, he's talking to other monks. Yeah. He's talking to other people who have dedicated their life in the search of God and universal creation. So right. these are not infants in this spiritual development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're going to see. The dark night of the soul really can't be approached unless you have some kind of spiritual understanding. Right. Because before that, it's just going to be those first couple stages. Because you need to kind of get that those big lessons in, um, and that's what you're going to kind of get tested on. But that's why it's just so important. So like the test is comes around because the universe, again, you're kind of stepping into this, this, the caterpillars going into the cocoon. So you get tested, you know, you, truth is objective. It's like, do you really believe that? Right. Right. Everything is a vibration, right? Everything is a vibration and love and wisdom are the highest. So all life is one. Because you are a product of creation, enables you to be a creator. The universal life force is all around you and always within you. There is no death, so die. Right. That's what it's telling you at this point. It's saying there is no death, so you have to die. Right. And you have to make the sacrifice. And that's exactly what the universe is trying to do. It's, it's looking at all these things. It says all life is one. You know everything is energy. Prove it. If you are a creator, if you're partaking in creation and you are made in the image of the creator, prove it. Right. And that's where the betrayal comes from, uh, the aspect of the betrayal to the person. Because they, they, you, what you're saying, I want to hang on that thought for you, what you just said, is that prove it. So that portion of prove it comes with this sense of betrayal when you think you figured it all out or have risen to this level of understanding universal consciousness and now how can i just like be put 
push put back or taken backwards. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, we always talk about the next octave, but it's that exact, um, it's that exact uh, idea that we've mentioned multiple times. So I think that yeah, that, that comes up a lot with the whole, um, you know, you're going to have to prove this now, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I really like that you're saying that it's exactly what's happening. Prove it because yes, you're not new to this idea, but just because you are well endowed or at least understand this ideology that you've dedicated your life to or the spiritual um, path that you've been on, that's just the beginning. Like those steps were necessary for you to understand the death that is coming next. And the test that is, do you, are you just going to let it all go by this situation um, that you face? Or are you going to prevail by saying like, I must sit in the discomfort to know that I am this butterfly that's to be, it's, this doesn't happen after, you know, like you, like you're saying, you have to be in that cocoon. So I think that's, um, yeah, that's really, really powerful about the moment when it says prove it. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. You know, cause this is the time that if we even think about fermentation, it's that internal heat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've, if you really feel like you are the bearer of light from the one mind, it's just asking you to turn on the lamp. Right. You know, this is, this is all calling for you to gain your own internal power. So, you believe in truth, we'll find truth. You know, you felt love, well, it's time to create love. And that's what it's going to be calling you to do. And it's really, it's this initiation into this higher aspect of consciousness. And it's a huge step. We're stepping outside of the four elements, and now we're working with the ether. Mm-hmm. So we have to be reborn in this situation. So, you know, that high that you got off from like your first yoga class or you know, that feeling you got when you first approached spirituality, that's like taking a bite of the lesser stone, right? right? That first time you actually feel this connected with oneness, right? that's going to be just like a bite of that lesser stone. And what it does is it presents that to you, and it kind of waves that in front of your eyes. And now it says, now that you know that this is within creation, and this is you can partake in this, now you need to get up to this point where this is what you bathe in. True. Rather than just taking like a, you know, a hit from a straw really quick, this could actually be, you can be fully engulfed in this feeling right. all the time, but you need to do it yourself. It needs to be from that internal fire and you actually need to go through this death. Um, so what has worked before have fades away. So right. whether you like, oh, you know, when I used to get down, I would maybe run and I would run every morning and that would kind of kick me out of that. Well, we're going to see that that's not going to happen through this dark night of the soul. It's going to be, we're just going to be very negative and the feeling of like, why do I even need to run? Right. Just this whole throwing our arms up and kind of being done with everything. And I'm so disconnected, but really what this is, is it's just burying you down into the soil so you can actually sprout. But when we get buried, we think we're buried. Exactly. No, I love that. I love that. It's yep. Spot on, man. Um, you know, from from one of the quotes there within the uh, interpretations of of the poem and, and other people that, you know, have their own interpretations of it, I like that true spirituality consists not in sentiments, but in the exercising of the, vir- the virtue, like actually putting it into motion now, finally, even though you already probably thought that you had started that process. And when you get buried that's where you got to make sure you're wiser than ever. Because I love that what you just said is like pretty much what, one of the things I really liked about all this is that people just stop there. Like, Oh, I've been buried. Like, that's it. It's over. It's like, no, no, no. 
you will sprout out of this. And it's like, <laughs> no, but I already did all that. And it's like, no, no, that was a different process to get you to understand this process. And mm -hmm. you didn't understand that process. Like you have to earn enlightenment. You can't just like be like, oh, I under I see what I see. I understand what I understand. Therefore, enlightenment. And it's like, no, those are the fundamentals that you must acquire or understand in this journey. And now we can go ahead and, you know, bring in the application a lot stronger than ever, you know, especially with this limited time we have here on the physical realm. So yeah, I, I really like, that's a really important message you just said. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, that's exactly what we're kind of looking at. And that's, what's so important about this aspect. And one thing that's really good for us when we're in this aspect is to remember that God did not give up on you. And you do not give up on God. Right. And that's what is looking for in this situation. How can you hold your faith? How can you withstand this dark night of the soul? And it's not just one night. Like, that's the thing. The dark yeah. night of the soul can go for years. That dark night of the soul, undiagnosed and unrecognized, can go an entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's so demoralizing because you just did so much work on yourself that you you feel the ultimate defeat. Because you thought you transcended all of these problems, and here they are all. Everything's kind of in front of you again, and you know you you're giving birth, you're giving life to this new self. And we spoke about it last week as the crucifixion. You know, you spoke about it with um, also the walk through the desert of Muhammad, and that's what we're looking for. It's this death into this rebirth, and understanding the process, trusting the process faith and grace and doing it through this compassionate way is so empowering for the soul and the growth of the individual because you 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 fix as much as you possibly can but there's still so much that needs to be done and you know saint john talks about it in his his writing as well and we'll we'll kind of go over the seven deadly sins and the esoteric significance of them but one of the things he talks about is, oh yeah, like you've been through confession, right? And we kind of go through the confession part in that calcination and that dissolution. We were kind of our own personal confessors in that in that situation. So you do go, do a good job when you're confessing and you're going through all your problems. But what you kind of find out in that fermentation scene is you're like, I only said 85% of the story. Even though I was just talking to myself in my room, I only said 85% of that story. So I, I healed myself on 85% of that story, but there was 15% of that story that might have incriminated me a little bit more, and I didn't bring it up. And even though you were talking to your higher self, who knows everything about you, you still don't bring it up. So they, he talked about how people would go into the confession chambers and, oh, they would confess, but they didn't confess everything. Right. And so that's what we're going through. This is the stuff that's so now that you've called the universe in, because you've done such a good job purifying yourself and you've presented the lesser stone of like, I'm really trying. Now the universe is coming in and it's just like, this is going to be some tough love. Yeah. But you missed this. You missed that. You didn't even know about this. And it's really going to kind of start bringing up other things that we thought we would outsmart. So, right. you know, we're the framework, our mind framework was created by the mind that wasn't even elevated. Right. So that whole framework has to go. So we do, we see this destruction of the framework. We see this whole destruction of the organism for the birth of the new and that death is scary. But again, that's, you know, that's what it's testing you on. It's like, so you understand that energy 
doesn't dissipate. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, I understand that energy just transfers. So it's like, okay, then die. Yeah. Like just, you, you have to die. Um, and we, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to fear it. We want to hide it. We want to keep ourselves distracted. We want to, you know, through our social media, through any kind of interaction that we can to kind of keep going. But that's not the, that's not what it wants at this point. And it's really pushing you to make that move. So it really does. This is a perfect evolution. And what a, what a better way to give this example. And again, these are the patterns that we see in nature and how these patterns always reflect universal laws and universal knowledge, but that caterpillar to the butterfly, right? The first four elements are like the the lifespan of the caterpillar. This fermentation is us like entering the can- cocoon. Mm-hmm. And again, we've spoke about this evolution before, but the caterpillar has a choice in the cocoon, right? So what happens is it goes in there and then like butterfly cells just kind of start appearing but the caterpillar cell will kill those butterfly cells. This is kind of like how we distract ourselves. And so what happens is the caterpillar is like, oh, this will be fine. I just got to keep killing these cells as they kind of come up. So then the butterfly cells start grouping and they start, you know, appearing in networks and it's harder for them, the caterpillar cell to kill it. And then when they start appearing, those networks are starting to get connected with other networks, right? So this caterpillar gets to this point where it can't kill these butterfly cells anymore And it comes this realization that either I can evolve into a butterfly or I have to die, right? And this is the whole evolution that's kind of happening. Because again, we are these spiritual beings. And if we knew anything about the cycle of the law of necessity, and we've accepted this, like I've started as a single-celled organism and I've made my way up to being this human incarnation, well, this is exactly what we're doing. We're killing, we're sacrificing ourselves through this crucifixion to attract a spiritual body to more now attract more spiritual experiences right. and actually go on this trip. And the whole idea of the cycle of necessity, if man is made in God's image, that means all life is made in God's image. So what you've been doing since you've been climbing the cycle of necessity is you just get a more complete image of the creator yeah. as you ascend that, that hierarchy. So when you have your death of your material self for the spiritual self, that's exactly what you've done. You have created yourself into a more complex, complete image of the creator. Yep. And that's what we're ascending up to do. And that's why you need to, in this process, die to be reborn right. in this dark night of the soul. Absolutely. Right? No, I love all of that, man. I think the analogy you give is great. You know, I, I used to see it as like a if we're made into the image of God, and that image might be for the lack of a deeper explanation is a cog and that cog is part of the universal like system that works in synchronicity you have just joined the rest of the party and that's what's really happening it's like all the animals all the in, all the biological like life forms that are here on this planet and beyond that have been part of this sort of orchestra of working within the image of god but also providing what they need to provide in order to keep this um system going of just like universal consciousness and love all at the same time we're the only ones who have been asked to reconnect to that orchestra but we have to learn how to even like identify an instrument first and then have to learn how to use the instrument and then you're going to realize that all that you build upon the lessons of that instrument have only hurt you because now you think you're special because you can play this instrument so beautifully, but really all that's going to be taken away from you so that when you rejoin the entire orchestra, 
you were always part of this entire musical, um, you know, system that's already been working with or without you. Like they didn't miss you. They're just like, welcome back. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And mm-hmm. I feel like people don't want to allow themselves to feel like, no, I'm special. You know, like I am unique in how I play my instruments. Like, no, so are you. And so is the person next to you. And so is that animal. And so is that plant. No one here has got a hierarchy. It's you who has to let go of that hierarchy in order to come back and sort of like be part of this entire grouping that's made in that image of God. And so I think that's going to continue happening no matter what um, to us as, as human beings um, for that matter, because, you know, again, I think there's an aha moment when you, you know, understand the lesser stone or feel that moment where you have spiritual connection, but there's a reason why it's taken away from you. And I think that's such an interesting, um, and I said this before with fermentation, I was like, I just couldn't believe that. Like when this step came up, I was like, oh my gosh, I thought those first four steps were the ascending process, but they're just the ascending process in order to go back under and come back out again, a more refined self. And I think, you know, we obviously did a really good job at explaining this through fermentation with our analogy of wine. But again, if I were to put myself in the shoes of that grape, I would be very, you know, upset where I'm like, man, we did so much work to get me so plumpy and like juicy. What are you about to do to me? And it's like, oh, this is just another step, but I'm going to make you more refined. And it's very hard to, I think, accept that. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to accept that. So this analogy of the butterflies is wonderful because like, again, mine was very basic with this cog that I was thinking about. It's like this one cog, they got loose from the entire system of this clock, took off, you know, because it, it spins like a wheel, took off, but it's going to make its journey back in order to be part of the system again. And I think that's where we just don't think that's going to happen. Like we all just think we're that unique cog and we'll figure it out on our own and we'll be on our own. And you know, whatever comes of of this life as a single cog is what it is. But it's like, no, no, no. Like you can come back and make your way back to this entire, you know, structure that works for everyone at the same time. And this process kind of alludes to that where it's like, you have a choice, you know, either you die a lonely cog, not knowing that you were always part of this greater system where you, you know, surrender to it and come right back. I don't know if that is really making sense. All I'm simply saying is like, that's how I had it. And the way you put it with the butterfly is much more elegant. So I appreciate it, man. Um, because yeah, again, this betrayal that we talk about, um, it's interesting, you know, whether it's like Eckhart Tolle, um, there's this other individual I really recommend, uh, um, through the, uh, the Theosophical Society. Um, he does a really good job of doing some lectures. Uh, his name is William Meter, and he actually has a good lecture on uh, the dark night of the soul that I appreciated that he does a um, a breakdown and kind of like what we do here on the podcast. But um, again, there's so many people who have interpreted this. And so I think that um, that was very comforting is all I'm really trying to say is that I think when you read about this, you understand about this and you go through this process, you're like, man, even the reading through it is a lonely process. Cause you're like, this isn't going to happen to me. Is it? Or did it already? Yeah, I did already. I lost my father and my mother at this age. So I think I'm in the clear and like secretly inside. I'm like, no, there's more to come and it's not going to look pretty, but just know that you'll never be abandoned. Even if you feel there's been this abandonment bestowed onto you when you thought you already had done all the work much like the seven stages of alchemy and then reaching you know fermentation it's just like wait a minute what yeah um so yeah 
Well, no, I actually kind of want to go back and tap into you. I, I really actually like your example about the clock and the piece of the clock that kind of falls off and then has to make its way back. Because what we're really doing in this aspect of spiritual alchemy, in this aspect of going through all seven steps, is what we're going to see, the final step, is really becoming a cog in God's great plan right. to further evolve consciousness. Because again, you know, we, mm. we perceive time as this linear thing, and that's just because we're within this time, you know, time state matter construct that we find ourselves in. But it's not. We know that for evolution, there's a part to get to in the evolution of consciousness where everything makes its way back to one. Right. We know eventually in infinite amount of time this is going to happen. So what the spiritual alchemist is doing is it's just speeding up that process. It's speeding up that process to bring in that true connection mm -hmm. between like soul and spirit of the universe and then make that happen. So as we kind of rejoin the cogs of that machine, it's really important because that's really when you find your path and you find your true way is when you find what you're supposed to do to evolve consciousness and to right. make that consciousness evolution happen. So that's really important. Um, and then just to kind of one other unique thing about the cocoon that I always forget to bring up, but this is so important especially within this stage, because that cocoon stage really just represents alchemy um, in so many different kinds of forms of alchemy. But on the personal aspect of alchemy, when it talks about the, how the dark night of the soul is so lonely, because you really can't rely on therapy. You really can't rely on, you know, like antidepressants to help you in this stage. It's not going to help. experiences, you were saying also. Like, Ex I like that you're talking about the running and stuff. That's true. Right, right. Because we do those experiences too. Um so you're not really going to have these these opportunities to mask it because it's not a chemical imbalance. It's a spiritual darkness that you're in. Um, so something that we always forget about with the, the, the part of like the human evolution is when the butterfly is coming out of the cocoon, if something tries to help it and tries to break that cocoon from it, its wings don't form and it won't be able to fly. It mm. will actually die. Okay, and that's one of the big trademark notes of this dark night of the soul is you have to do this work yourself. Right. You can't, nobody can help you in this. So yeah, and again, it's going to feel so alone, but the universe has got you to be like, you have this internal power. Like I am just waiting for this to develop as soon as you surrender. Yeah. So you need to sit with this. You can't run from this. You have to feel what I want you to feel. You have oh, to man. go through this experience because nobody can help you right now. Yeah. Nobody's going to help you. Yeah. I didn't leave you. Yeah. I'm still with you. But I need you to go through this because because again, I'm I'm evolving consciousness right, right. here. From the creator's aspect, he's just like, you think you're got it hard? Like, look at I'm evolving consciousness <laughs> as me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm I'm living through this with you. Like you're not alone. You think I don't, you know, if this is all universal consciousness, it's all going together. It's like I'm with you on this. So you have to go through this because you have to heal. And also why we have to go through these dark nights of the souls, because you'll alleviate pressure off of future generations in your bloodline, individuals that are around you. If you really fully go through this dark night of the soul, you will create light in other people's dark night of the soul. So you oh, can't yeah. help them, but you can show them that you lit up your own internal flame and you can guide them and motivate them to do the same. But this dark night feels so alone until we realize that 
you know, you are never alone. Yeah. And, and um, so just to like add this into the podcast here in front of Daniel, like the, the hairs on my neck just like stood up and my eyes just like started swelling with, with tears because that is the most crucial thing that I can relate to right now of watching individuals going through that dark night of the soul, because it's not, it's not people like Daniel here who sits before me. He's, he's my greatest friend, right? But there's an understanding that we both have where if he is going through that period or I'm going through this period, it's like, I'm on your side, like I'm on, I'm on the sideline, but you kind of got to go through it alone. And that's something I value in the friendship with Daniel. And I'm obviously speaking on a personal note here, but then other people that I've witnessed, what's really sad to witness is if they don't understand or have been made aware of this process, not only are they inundated with this sort of dark energy and bitterness, it's, you know, like the saying goes to be a good friend, you might lose a good friend. Um, because I'm trying to be your friend by sticking it out and be on the sideline, but also not intercepting or interfering with you becoming that butterfly. And that's a very hard thing. Even if your life is going okay, you still have to bear or witness this transformation. And if they don't allow themselves to go through it, it's even harder because you kind of feel like I mean, I just lost a friend, you know, and like I've lost so many friends over the course of a few years. And it's because of these moments that Daniel's talking about. And it's like, you want to interfere, but you're like, no, you have to go through this on your own. And so you try to tell them, but I'm here for you. And then they're like, no, but you abandoned me. And I'm like, well, what you're saying is the same thing that you might even say to God. And if you even mention that, they're like, God, there is no God. Like that guy and I, or that individual or that deity uh, and I severed our paths years ago. So I didn't even bring him up. All I have is, um, or it up, all I have is the people around me and even them, even they are betraying me because they don't even really take the time to like feel the pain I feel. They say they're there for me, but they're not. And it's like, <clears throat> so when you bring this up, it makes, again, me have a reaction because I've witnessed this so many times and times again. And it's, it's hard because it's like on the contrary of what you're saying about you lighting yourself up inside. Therefore they should know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. They go even further away from someone who might be their only savior because they're like, no, you have it easy. This dark night of the soul is only happening to me. You somehow went unscathed from that process. And what you learned through that process, if you came out of it, is this is not when you go, let me prove you wrong and tell you my story. Sit down and let me tell you my story. I mean, one of the reasons I think people have leaned so deeply into podcasts are because people want to have an actual relatable connection with an individual they've never met who might tell them their story. And then they go, oh, he went through what I went through. She went through what I went through. Therefore, we're all going through it, but it's taken a long time for people to sit to kind of actually accept that. And for some, they they'll never they will never accept that because in their minds, I've reached enlightenment. I felt the energy that it is all around us, and all of that has now betrayed me. It has left me. Therefore, don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear about it. And it's so interesting that you want to like kind of go in that cocoon and be like, no, no, no. I promise if you hang in here long enough, you're going to come out great and you're going to, 
you're going to elevate other people. Like, I love that you're saying you're going to elevate other generations. Like, it keeps going on and on. But if you go and touch that cocoon, you ruined it. It's, it's just such a tricky yeah. thing, man. True. So I really, really appreciate your analogies um, always. And I think that's that's a, yeah, that's a really good point, man. Yeah, and you brought up a good point about, you know, when you get buried, you're right. You almost have, you either sprout up and you go towards the light or you keep burying yourself deeper. Yeah. You go down and you just, oh, you you think you're going to find comfort just going down and separating yourself further from the world, separating mm-hmm. yourself fully, further from your relationships. But when it comes to mentorship, the best me- mentor that I've ever seen that just does it so good is, and again, we're, I can't wait till this actually gets released on the Patreon account because it's been such a um, a crazy situation, but the Gandalf to Frodo. Oh, yeah. Because Gandalf is just like, hey, biggest fan, you're going to go do it. And then Frodo's like, what do I do? He's like, well, can't tell you that. <laughs> you know, he's like, Am I, is it going to be dangerous? And Gandalf's like, I bet. Like, I can't imagine it not being not be, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like, give you um, the, the exact answer you're looking for, but he's not denying you know anything either you know he's just like right fully in support when he's there you know uh, he's that light that frodo kind of carries with him to keep going he inspires him he he's everything he needs to be he creates excitement for frodo and that's exactly what we should target to be when we kind of approach this mentorship because again a lot of the reasons some of the stuff we speak about on this podcast you might personally have already gone through or your dark night of the sore might be shorter than most, but you're going to know other people in these situations. So that's why you really want to get this wide variety of esoteric information and understanding so you can help assist in this universal process of evolution. Because again, we know if your close friend makes a spiritual jump, that's going to give elevation for everybody to move a little bit higher because we're all within this network. you know. And again, that's what this... This whole process is just like a, it's just like a prove it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. He's, it's almost like this, the universe coming down and just being like, you're going to talk the talk. Let's walk the walk, buddy. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's going to be, and right when you break down, it's going to be like, oh, like that was it. That's all you had. Mm-hmm. Like you're giving up on everything mm-hmm. because of this. Yeah. And, it, and it's, uh, it's like, I'm not going to make it easier. Like if this is really what you want to give it up on and this is what you want to hang your hat on and this is where you want to make your martyring to, that's fine. Like if this is what you want to do, then that that's you. Because remember, you're supposed to be a creator. You said you knew that. Yeah. But now look at what you're creating. Look what you're doing. Look at you. You believe that love is universal. You believe love and wisdom are the highest vibration. You're not manifesting that. So Absolutely. what what do you want me to do as the universal life force? Like- I can't do it for you. Right. Like you went on this, you went on this mission by yourself. Like you're the one that left, <laughs> you know, like it, there's just so much stuff that kinds of happens, you know, and it is so easy to ask those questions in this moment. Like, why am I alive? Why am I here? Why am I forsaken? You know, why do good people suffer? And again, you know, we go through this experience, not to know all the, not to so much get all the answers answered, but to be able to come to peace with the questions, knowing that you might not get all the answers, but coming to peace with those questions and just that whole peace and grace that kind of comes from the situation. But the only way you can do that is to actually, you know, take off the skin and actually really feel this, all that thick skin that we've kind of created. Absolutely. Victory. 
victory over the soul, right? Yeah. Victory over the circumstance, over, right? Yeah. And that was kind of like the, now that we think about it, that victory, um, soul over circumstance very much was talking about, you know, how do you kind of transcend this? And there's so many looking up the dark night of the soul. And as we were kind of doing research on this, there was some really, I really kind of feel like we can expand this out and make like a whole program. And that's kind of what the plan for the summer is. I really want to make like a program that works with meditation, that has journaling and all those aspects. But for this fermentation stage, you can actually look up the aspect of mirror work. And what mirror work is, is when you actually are meditating within a mirror and you're kind of like keeping eyesight with yourself. Very powerful stuff, but great approach to feel like, because that's something that's hard for some people to do. They're like, I don't know how to feel. Like I've, I've pushed these feelings away my whole life through distractions, through drugs. Like, do I just sit on my bed and just like feel like, am I doing this right? You know, there's even that you're such an, that inner voice comes in. Cause again, that lower ego is trying to come back and it's just like, you're being such an idiot. It's you're left you. Time. You're wasting time, right? Mirror work is very powerful because it keeps you focused on the plan and focused on you. And that's what you're supposed to be focusing on. Um, so there's different aspects. I'll try to share some stuff on the, um, on the podcast um, and, and on the website as well. Um, but we're really kind of looking to try to make like a whole program out of this that we can all work through because, because you're not alone in this situation, right? You know, we're all in it together. Um, and you always have that internal voice that's always going to be with you as well. So again, the universe is just wants you to step up to the plate. Yep. It's like, I want to put your name in the stars, but you're being a little, you know, you're, you're running away from the situation. Yeah, no, I like to see the universe sometimes as an older brother because he's nothing more than a brother and a sister. And, and a mother and a father. And all of it, yeah, all of it. But you, by your ascending uh, understanding of, of your place on, on this planet, helps aid the younger siblings that you have next to you. And I think that's like the, you know, what we end up having to, practice in this journey that we're here that's why i've never 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 ever have had a discomfort with the question of why are we here because the only thing that seemed real to me as a child was like my job is to make him feel better even if his jokes aren't funny i'm gonna laugh at them my job is to help that person talk and if it doesn't mean i understand what they're saying i'm just gonna listen that was the only thing i had as far as like some kind of railing that was guiding me from this like high high perspective of like what does this all mean this is a lot to take in you know like a vertigo is setting in where do i hold on to and the only thing i had to grab was to sort of either make people feel good about themselves or try to help them realize that like i'm just as scared as you're scared and i think that as you understand all these concepts that we bring up either on the podcast or that you just take on on your own when you're not listening to us on the podcast. It's just important to to have that universal connection at all times to have that um, that comfort, you know, kind of pour over you before the ego comes in and goes, who are these fools from Phoenix, Arizona? And should we be doubting that whatever it is that, you know, kind of seeps into all our minds? Hey. It's like, yeah, exactly. Hey, we're, we're still going to keep talking even if no one's here because this is what we, we do no matter what. Um, is try to raise each other up and why not do that um, on, a, on a grand on a grand level and so I think this idea of what we might do in the summer is pretty pretty great I always say that once Daniel has his philosophy school 
put together, you know, you'll be able to see us a lot more often than just listening to us via satellites. You know, it'd be great to have uh, more of an interaction with all you great people out there face to face. And, and, you know, even if we can't see each other, at least have an understanding that we're all trying to raise each other up, you know? Right. Yeah. All in all just walking each other home. Yeah, man. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, well, we got two more steps to come with, uh, with alchemy. Um, we got the sixth step next week. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I know we've already talked about what we're going to do in between the last two steps, but I'm sure we'll talk more. Um, anything else you want to add to our patron members or to the podcast or. Yeah. Well, I mean, always huge shout out to our patron members. We are so thankful. Um, got some really cool stuff kind of planned for that. And, um, yeah, so always a big thank you, thank you for all the supporters, everybody who shares our stuff on Instagram, for the individuals that reach out to us. Um, you know, right now, um, both Eddie and I, it's kind of the busy season in Arizona. I'm finishing up the school year I'm teaching. This is kind of a big time yeah. for Eddie for in both the medical field and as well as your video creation and your videography. So I do apologize if our responses are a little bit more delayed than they usually are, but really looking forward to this summer because I will, I'm going to be just trying to really focus on all this stuff full time. You oh, know that's what I mean? awesome. So we'll have so much more time. We're going to have so much more material. So if you just hold off until May, you're going to be so annoyed by me by June 3rd. Cause you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, she uploaded another video. Like get a life kid. No, um, they're so good. They're so good. And I, I, we do have to go back to that Lord of the Rings episode. I know, I know we're, we're struggling. It's like the lost to, episode. Right yeah, it now. is the lost episode. You know, um, what's funny too, is we have two lost episodes because we had a first intro episode that we never posted. Remember we just like introduced mm -hmm. each other mm -hmm. and it was only like 15, 20 minutes, but even in the first podcast that we have, it says, this is the second episode of Know Thyself. Yeah. And I always get messages of people being like, hey, what is that first episode? <laughs> and I'm like, I hate to bring it up because it's just like, it's not that exciting. No. You know what I mean? It's it, was, it wasn't that, like it was good, but it was just like this introduction, but it's kind of got this mystique about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that Lord of the Rings episode too, because um, for the people that aren't on our Patreon, we've had this really weird struggle posting it because it's in a, we recorded it like a podcast, but... The only way you could upload the patron is through MP4. I don't know. It's all this mumbo jumbo, but we're going to get it up. But it's just this, like, we keep promising it and we just keep hitting these, these dead ends. Like I, I thought I had it posted and I was so excited. And I'm actually the first comment on Patreon because I went to go rewatch it because it like loaded up perfectly. Oh, patron was like, thumbs up. This is good to go. And then uh -huh. I click on it and nothing happens. Huh. I'm just like rat sticks interesting yeah so we'll find another way we will um, find another way um we always do we always do there's different platforms out there right now that are keep that keep evolving from the same platforms that you probably already um used to and we're all used to so we're trying to sort of jump on what makes sense for everyone so that we don't have to hit these hiccups you know but like daniel said he's a busy teacher um bringing up the youth and uh uh, into a better understanding of the world. And, and, you know, we all have our things to, to do, but I'm sure that as the years go on, when we do this, it's going to keep evolving into like other hiccups and other things that are going to like keep popping up. So it's all good. I just want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you to all those artists out there that help out with, um, with creating content that then Daniel and I can repost. Um, you know, if you ever wonder where these great images come from, they're not just from fans, but they're all inspired by 
um, Daniel's deep research into like finding these images. If you, if you knew Daniel, like the way I know Daniel, he's the guy who gives you this amazing painting and you're like, where did you get this? And he's like, I don't know, but I found it. I think it found me. And I'm like, what does this mean? And you're like, this is, this is what this actually means. And he would tell me the esoteric meaning behind it or something. And so to see that transcend onto like a digital page, like Instagram or a platform like this for the better for everyone uh, of all the stuff that we talk about is really cool. So shout out to you, man. Hey. Um, so, um, but yeah, thank you again to everyone. Uh, we're approaching that one year coming up. So thanks for evolving with us and and thank you to all the new patron members this March that have, that have come about. Um, it's been a, a very, um, warm feeling to know that more people want us to continue doing this and, and because of you, we can. So yeah. Yeah. All love. Yep. Um, anything else? I don't think so. Cool. Until next time then. Until next time.